Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's Wednesday, June 22, and the E-word is back. It never really went away, but it it's back. We're going to be talking about it today. We've done lots of shows on the E-word, empathy. My old friend at MIT, Sherry Turkle, um, has been on the show several times talking about AI and empathy. Her new autobiography, actually it's not so new now, is a big hit. The Empathy Diary is a wonderful piece of work. Uh, many of us see, or many of my authors see, empathy as the key to fixing many of our contemporary problems. Uh, Susan McKenty Brady, for example, was on the show recently talking about how empathy can help in the Ukraine. She has a new book out, Arrive and Thrive, Seven Impactful Practices for Women Navigating Leadership. Uh, empathy is very important in those. And of course, lacking empathy is a bad thing, at least according to many of our authors. Uh, the tech critic Mayel Gavet was on the show uh, a couple of years ago. She has a new book out, Trampled by Unicorns, Big Tech's Empathy Problem. So if big tech can fix itself, it needs to become more empathetic. Uh, same, of course, is true for white evangelicals, another group of people who don't get a particularly good press these days. Uh, John Compton was on the show he has a book out, The End of Empathy, in which empathy has disappeared from white evangelical discussion. So we are back on empathy with my guest today, the co-author of an interesting new book, Empathy in Action, How to Deliver Great Customer Experiences at Scale, uh, Dr. Uh, Natalie Petterhoff. Um, the book uh, is about customer and employee respect movement. Natalie is joining us from the great city of Los Angeles, just to the south of us in San Francisco. Natalie, empathy, what's the big deal about it? What do you mean by it? And why have you written a book about it? Good questions. And thank you for having me on. So I work for a software company. And one of the things that uh, we wanted to look at is why do experiences for customers, why are they still awful? So you're on a website, you're trying to chat, you're trying to get information, you're trying to change your order, find out what your order is. You get cam responses back and you're frustrated. Then you call and then it's press one for press 64 for, right? So how come in this day and age, technology can't deliver on a very simple process? And what was interesting as, as Tony and I went through this inquiry is that we went all the way back to the first industrial revolution. And we said, what was corporate America like back then? And there's a fantastic uh, documentary series called The Titans Who Built America by the History Channel. And at that time, there were amazing inventions and products, uh, Chrysler, Ford, JP Morgan Chase, who controlled everybody's money, um, Carnegie Mellon. At that time, business was all about profit over people. Right. And so great things got created, but the treatment of customers and employees wasn't great. Flash forward 100, 150 years ago, depending on whether you're talking about the industrial American or, or European industrial revolution. And we still see some of the 
rudimentary profit over people, business efficiency, business effectiveness um, oriented mindsets. And so what we really got down to is at the core of this is business is not looking at experiences from either the customer or the employee's point of view. And if they did, they actually sat down and became an employee and sat in their shoes or a customer's shoes, they'd be like, wow, this is horrible. We should stop doing that. Uh, Natalie, uh, your book was uh, a bestseller on the Wall Street Journal list. Congratulations. But it's written by both you and you mentioned Tony, Tony Bates, who's the chairman and CEO of Genesis, who you also work for. You're a, a visionary, a futurist at Genesis. Um, Tony Bates uh, is quite a distinguished tech guy, uh, ran a number of companies, I think, including uh, Skype. He, uh, when you go to the Genesis website, you, you read about something called digital empathy. What's the Genesis angle to this book, given that you both work for this company and the company is peddling something called digital empathy? Is there a connection between your book and what Genesis is trying to do, or is that purely coincidental? No. So what we did was we really looked at experiences and we wanted a way to convey what could be different. And so we came up with four empathy pillars, which is when you sit in the seat of a customer or an employee, see the world through their eyes, understand what exactly is it they're wanting and needing from that experience. The question becomes, do we have the technology today? that can deliver a digital experience that feels as though you're really sitting in the seat of that other person and can deliver on the promise. And so what is interesting to me, because I've been in technology my whole life, is that through the first four industrial revolutions, we've had technology and there's technology that's advanced experiences to an extent. But it really is only now that we're in the fifth industrial revolution where you have a huge change in the abilities and capabilities of data and AI and the cloud that are actually enabling a different kind of experience, which takes into consideration how people feel, their sentiment um, can really help them get what they need. So, uh, as I said, um... Genesis uh, advertises something called digital empathy. Uh, the book uh, um, suggests that uh, technology can become a force multiplier to deliver more empathy. Uh, there was a book written last year, a wonderful novel, I don't know if you've read it, called, called Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro, which is about robotic empathy, about the ability of robots to actually empathize with humans. And Ishiguro came up with a, a robot actually that sounded and appeared perhaps more human than the humans themselves in the novel. It is, of course, a novel mm. and he's a remarkably accomplished novelist. Is what you're talking about, Natalie, in, uh, in your book and what you guys are doing uh, at Genesis, is it artificial empathy? Is it empathy created by machines or is this human empathy? There's a big difference. So the empathy that we're talking about is really comes from design thinking. And so part of what you want to think about if you're a technologist or someone who's 
looking at technology is who designed the technology and was it designed for the end user, right? So oftentimes technology is designed to cut costs for companies. And what we're really saying is, what if we design technology to deliver what the customer and the employee wanted? Not only would that be better for the customer and employee, but guess what? You have two assets, employees and customers. Without employees, you have nobody to create products and services. And without customers, you have nobody to buy them. So if you're really thinking about the two essential assets, neither of which appear on the P&L, if you really think about those two assets and you designed your company around providing what they need and want, that would also make greater financial sense for the business because that's going to mean customers are loyal because they get what they need and employees are not going to feel a bunch of cognitive burden because you're not supporting them or empowering them. And so what we're really looking at is how do you take the mix of customer data or employee data and how do you augment that with AI in the cloud to be able to deliver an experience that delivers on what someone wants? So oftentimes I think the word empathy kind of gets mixed up with sympathy. And so our, for our definition, sympathy is if someone said, you know, this happened to me and you said, I'm really sorry that that happened, right? And oftentimes, Sympathy comes from our own perception. It could come from a place of compassion or pity. For us, empathy is really the process of sitting down in the seat of someone else, understanding what they want and need, and then designing technology and processes that enable, could be a bot, could be a website, could be humans who deliver the, the experiences. Um, that again deliver what what people really want to need. I looked up empathy. I would do Merriam Webster Merriam Webster Webster definition: the action of understanding, being aware of, and being sensitive and vicarious, experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experiences of another of either the past or present, without having the feelings, thoughts, and experience fully communicated in an objectively explicit manner or the, the imaginative projection of a subjective state into an object so that the object appears to be infused with it. It means, I guess, be, being uh, sympathetic, um, Natalie. It's curious when it comes to... Um, also, if you look up Daniel Goldman's uh, definition of empathy, it is really about sitting in the seat of someone else. Um, exactly. It's, it's being someone else, which is adds to the complexity of tech because we're inventing machines that are essentially something else. I'm curious, as just somebody who, like everyone else watching this show, has the misfortune to occasionally have to call customer service or deal with customer service on or offline, it seems to me as if it's harder and harder to actually distinguish between the human and the digital, that human customer service people sound like machines, and the machines... <laughs> sound like sort of machine, well, maybe they sound like machines trying to be human, or maybe they sound a bit more like human. Has cus Leaving aside the scale and the digital and all the rest of it and, and, and Genesis, do you think there's something wrong with customer service? Is it simply because people are badly paid? Often the people doing customer service, uh, their first language isn't English, they're hard to understand, they're hard to talk to. What's gone wrong with customer service? Is it simply because companies are trying to save money 
A lot of it is cost cutting. There is a, it is a department or group uh, that is, has, was built around uh, the mentality of cost savings or cost reduction or the cost of doing business. And so what we're trying to say is if that's your mindset, then the experiences you're going to design are not going to meet the needs of your customers or your employees. And, you know, I would say a lot of times um, what happens is companies want some sort of consistent experience. So they give agents a script and they say, say the person's name. So they'll say, hi, Natalie, um, how can I help you today? Oh, okay, Natalie, I'll do that. And like by the third time that they say your name, it just feels insincere. So the agent is kind of captive in that they're trying to do their job. They've been given instructions on how to relate to a customer. And truthfully, it's really coming from, it's not really coming from if you sat in the seat of the person that you were speaking to and received that, you'd be like, no, this is not the right way to do it. So again, I mean, like fundamental shift is whatever you're designing, whether it's a, a bot or whether it's how you're training your uh, employees to deliver an experience. If you actually sat in the seat of the person receiving it, be like, why are we doing it this way? There's got to be a better way. And what we're trying to help people see is what's we're, what we're doing now doesn't work and that there is a different way, but you can't see that. I mean, oftentimes people can't see what they can't see. So a lot of times I'll talk to people and I'll, I'll say, hey, there's a different way to do this. And they'll question me or they'll ask questions. And what I realize is if they have no point of reference for what I'm talking about, that business could actually be done with people in mind, that it it's kind of like you put something on a shelf and there's, think of the shelf as a reference point. You put something, try to put something on a shelf that's not there, it just falls off. And so until people really get this fundamental shift that what they've been doing isn't going to work, then it really doesn't matter how you train people or how much you pay them or what technology you employ. If the strategy from the very beginning isn't shifted into a different mindset, you're really not going to get a different experience. And so, you know, customers are going to be like, right, the, the people sound robotic and the technology is, I don't know, canned responses at best, which feel robotic. And unfortunately, it doesn't have to be that way. But if you that's interesting, you know, there's a debate about whether it has to be that way. I mentioned Sherry Turkle earlier. She came on the show when it was a TechCrunch show back in 2011. Mm -hmm. And um, she reminded me that we can never really love robots and robots can never really love us. She had a piece uh, from 2018 in the New York Times reiterating that she argued in this piece that there will never be an age of artificial intimacy. I'm assuming you believe, though, that there can be digital empathy, that we can invent algorithms um, that will replicate empathy uh, at scale. Is that what you, you believe? That's what you argue in your book? That's what you're trying to do at Genesis? Mm, so if we're talking about empathy as sympathy and trying to be uh, technology, trying to be a human, no. 
And what we're really talking about is can you take technology and make it deliver a better experience that feels more human-like, that feels more respectful, that, that actually gets you what you need? Yes, you can, you can. And what's interesting is back when she wrote that article uh, in 2011, the advances in AI are quite um, extraordinary in 2022. So we've advanced a lot. I mean, I don't know that we're ever gonna have a robot that's gonna be a human. Science fiction, Hollywood tells us that maybe that's possible. Um, and that's, but that's really not, we're not trying to create uh, lifelike robots. We're really trying to design experiences that um, deliver what a customer wants and needs. And that's, it's that simple, really. That was an interesting, I'm, I'm sure you're very familiar with it. There's a big, um, uh, everyone's talking in Silicon Valley about uh, a Google employee, an engineer, who thinks that the company's AI has, has come to life. I think the guy got laid off. He's quite a controversial character. But mm -hmm. this speaks to the fact that it's increasingly hard to distinguish between AI and humans, particularly perhaps from the engineer's point of view. Is that what you're saying, that AI is making such strides, certainly since 2011 and perhaps even since 2018, as to tighten the gap, do away with the gap between humans and machines? I don't know that it's ever going to be fill that gap. I mean, from our standpoint, what we do is as you're interacting with a company, so you're on an IBR, which is press one, four, press two, four, or you're on a website and you're interacting with, um, you know, a chat bot. What we're doing is we're really looking at what are you trying to do? Right. And then what we do with AI is we combine AI with the data and we segment and cluster that data and we say, you know what, when we see people doing these things, we know that probably with pretty high prediction rate, the next thing that you're going to need is this. And in that way, we could start to predict what is that next best action? Is that next best action to offer you your bank balance? Is that next best action to tell you where your, your uh, package is? Is that next best action to have an interaction with a bot so you can ask it more questions? Is it an interaction with an agent who can actually look up something that maybe technology can't do? So, I mean, again, we're not really trying to create um, an artificial human being with AI. It's it's really not that, that yeah, kind so of- So you're creating a kind of a tree of alternatives, but a, an artificial one, Whenever I hear the word scale, your, your, your book, um, the subtitle of the book is how to deliver great customer experiences at scale. Scale is a, a euphemism in Silicon Valley, in my view, for especially AI, uh, scaling Silicon Valley, all sorts of headlines about AI companies. Scale always seems to me in critics, maybe this brings out the critic in me, scale is a way of replacing humans, doing away with jobs. So what you're talking about in empathy and action into scaling empathy, sure, it can be done with a machine and an algorithm and figure out what people want next. But couldn't you just put a person on that call? And if they were properly trained and properly paid, they could figure out what someone would want and they would hold their hand. And it's a much better way ultimately of doing customer service than with an algorithm. 
Not necessarily. So in terms of the part where humans are involved, what if you could provide information to that agent about the things? So here's typically what happens. You get on the phone, you wait in a long queue, you finally get on the phone with someone, and then you start to tell your sad story. Well, I did this, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and I got transferred here, and like, so you have to go through all that. So what the data can now do is look up in your record what you've done before, right? And by using AI to be intelligent about kind of aggregating that and looking at that, it can send the agent, here's the things that that person has done. And here's the most likely thing that they're calling about because they just placed an order. It's probably about this order. And so what it does is it actually reduces the cognitive burden of the person delivering the experience because they're not one having to listen to the long, sad story. Um, and they're also not having to read through and look through a bunch of information in the record. And oftentimes the stuff, the record isn't very complete. And so it's really supporting that employee to help them deliver a better experience, a more intelligent experience. I mean, think about someone calls up and they say, you know what, I wanna buy running shoes, but I'm not really sure which running shoe I want. And so the agent says, well, tell me a little bit more about that. And with that information in the background, that information can, the, it, the technology can look up and be able to deliver to the agent information about the best running shoe for that particular uh, context of what that person wants to do. And so those are the things that take up the agent's time that are really taxing on them. And if you think about it, a company, if it had 10 products or 100 products or 1,000 products, how is how can you train somebody to know all that? And so what technology does is give that agent the information, and that's the scale part, right, is that if, if you had 100 products or 1,000 products or more, you'd be training that person forever, and, and I don't know how they could remember the details of all that. And so that's the scale part is it's really supporting employees to have a, a job that doesn't uh, isn't isn't frustrating. And oftentimes if you ask a customer service or customer experience person a question and they can't answer it or they don't have a very definitive answer, often what happens is that um, is that you know the person gets frustrated with the agent and they start yelling at them. And can you imagine being in a job where you're yelled at for seven or eight hours a day? Yeah, it's a miserable job, but it's horrible. I mean, it is horrible. But on the other hand, this has proved to be, I mean, customer service is, is the first step in, in many in, in, in many developing countries. I mean, I, I don't know what the digitalization of customer service would mean, for example, to the Indian economy. You. Uh, it, it, your, your book is marketed as uh, a book about customer and employee respect movement. You talk about the failure of all these different periods of capitalism, the first four periods. You say the fifth period will be different. Don't we have to be more honest, though, ultimately, uh, Natalie, about capitalism? It's not about respect and all these uh, empathetic, cuddly words. It's about making money. And if we continue to tell lies that companies are in the business of making the world a better place, then this fifth phase is going to fail too. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. If we keep doing the same thing, 
and we expect different results, we're going to get the same thing. And what's interesting is there are uh, a number of other authors. Alan Murray, who's the CEO of Fortune magazine, just wrote. Yeah, he's going to come on the show. I'm just organizing, actually. He's going to come on in a, in a few weeks. Oh, he's he's fantastic. And he's talking about tomorrow's capitalists. Yes. A, the search for the solo business. Roger Martin, who's also fantastic, who kind of debunked. So there was a an economist. Milton Friedman in the 70s, who said the only reason companies exist is to to make good by the shareholder. And Roger is of the mindset that, no, you have other stakeholders and those stakeholders are employees and customers. And so there is a new way to think in business. And then there's Roger Guile or David Guile's book, um, The Man Who Broke Capitalism, which is about how Jack Welch ran companies. Yeah, we got so him coming on as well. Well, here we go. So, the best people, Natalie, and uh, you, of course. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I think you're absolutely right. If we don't really change how we're doing things, and that's the point of empathy, is to see that it's sit in the seat of others, see it's not working, see there's another alternative. If we don't do that, you're right. In the fifth industrial revolution, we have an opportunity, but it's only an opportunity. It's based on whether you can get people to change their behavior. And if there was and a that means customers as well, not just oh, absolutely. employees and not just entrepreneurs. Right. Sometimes customers are awful. Are, are there examples? I always ask this because it always sounds compelling and seductive, but I always we've had so many conversations about companies that can change the architecture of capitalism. I always hear the same responses, Unilever, maybe there's some truth there. I mean, you might say Genesis, but are there companies that come to mind that really offer models for making capitalism morally viable in the future, this fifth phase you talk about? I would say that right now, there are companies that aspire to that, but I don't know that there are companies who have really rejiggered their whole way of thinking. I mean, part of what we're looking at is our, our you know way that we account for finance and how we treat employees and how we treat customers. And you know, if any company is honest, there's work to be done, right? And so we're not saying that we're perfect or anybody's perfect. We're just being curious and asking the question and saying, Maybe there is something here. Maybe there is something that needs to be looked at and hoping to spark a conversation, which is kind of the employee and customer respect movement, which is, you know, maybe if we actually stop, slow down. And I think one of the interesting things about COVID, obviously I don't want to minimize the people who lost loved ones or passed. I think one of the greatest gifts, however, is the idea that we had, it created a, a, a cause for pause and we all slowed down in different different amounts. And it's given us an opportunity for reflection to ask, is this what we really want for our life? Is this uh, the way that we wanna live, the way that we wanna work, where we wanna work and live? And so I think companies have an amazing opportunity to become the employer of choice. I think, you know, it, it it's a uh, it's you know we're just on the fifth industrial revolution you know depending on who you ask started in 2021 so we have this opportunity will 
companies hear this message? Will leaders hear this message? I mean, you're asking people who've been in power to rewire their brain and make decisions in ways that they've never done it before. So will it happen in my lifetime? I don't know. I hope so. Will it take a, a couple more hundred years? I don't know. I'm, I'm, but I, I really do want to, I hope that, I hope that I can bring even if even if I change one person's mind, the way that we've done things doesn't work. I would feel like that was success. I hope you're right, Natalie, although I fear you're completely wrong in the sense that we're on the brink of a major recession. People in America are already angry. They're angry at everybody else around them. They blame everyone else around them. So I, I respect your your optimism. I hope you're right. We will see. But certainly uh, your book. Um, Empathy in Action, How to Deliver Great Customer Experiences at Scale. As I said, it was a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Congratulations on that. An interesting new book, an interesting new take on customer service and digital empathy. Congratulations, Natalie. You mentioned uh, Alan Murray's book. What else should people be reading in addition to Empathy in Action? Um, I would say, you know, I would take a look at a new way to think for, by Roger Martin. I would look at David Giles book, the man who broke. Capitalism. Yeah, he's going to be on. I need to get Martin on the show. I've met him a few times. Yeah, he's he's incredible. And for him to stand, you know, as an economist and a, a thought leader to stand general accounting principles have been around a very long time. So for him to stand up to that body of work and say, you know what, maybe there is a different way to do this. I have a lot of respect for people who are who are questioning um, the way that things have been done and, you know, opening the conversation, writing books, speaking, um, talking to leaders and offering them new alternatives and, and new ways to think and do things. So I, uh, I feel blessed with the opportunity to do this and really hope that, you know, a lot of people hear your show and at least become curious 